do keep that um, open in front of you. And as we come to this passage on prayer, let us pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we thank you and praise you for the great privilege that prayer is. Father, please would you remind us of that today. And would you teach us, teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name, amen. A little um, survey, if we would, very quickly. Um, if you wouldn't mind, but if you've been a Christian for more than 40 years, can you put your hand up? Anyone from more than 40? Couple? few? Fantastic. How about for kind of tw- over 25? So 25 to 40. Bracket. A few more over that way. Yeah. Great. How about the kind of, um, uh, where are we going? 10 to 25. That's quite a big one, but 10 to 25. Ooh, that's, that'll be in that one as well. Yeah, a bit more. Great. Between 5 and 10? Yeah, that's many. Great. And less than five? Any less than five? Couple. Great. If you're not a Christian, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, and that's fine. But you, you are very, very welcome. I'm so pleased you're here. We, we love having guests. I really want you to listen in this morning to hear the, one of the greatest privileges of being a Christian. I'm also not going to ask everyone this question, okay? Um, but if I were to say, look, um, put your hand up if you feel like you've got prayer sorted. I don't think many hands would go up, if any. You might be a new Christian, uh, and you might be thinking, prayer, what, what is this prayer thing uh, that they go on about? What, what does it mean? How do I do it? What, what do I pray? You could have been a Christian for, for quite a long time. And we, we have ebbs and flows in our prayer lives, times when they're really rich and deep um, and intimate, and then times when we struggle. Or maybe you've been a, prayer, a Christian and been praying for decades and decades. And yet sometimes that, that can get a bit stale, a bit formulaic. Well, this morning, whether you've been a Christian for two days or decades, let's sit at the Lord Jesus' feet and hear him teach on how to pray. In that sense, we are put, immediately putting into practice what we saw last week. If you are here then, we saw... That uh, Jesus saying there is one thing necessary for Christians, and that is to sit at his feet and to listen to him. That's the one thing necessary. And as it were, immediately the disciples and now we are sitting at Jesus' feet, hearing him teach on how it is that we should pray. And if we take these two weeks together, last week's and this week's, we really get the fundamentals of what it means to be a Christian. Because last week was all about the the importance of us listening to Jesus. We listen, and then today is all about praying, us speaking. We listen to Jesus, we pray to our Father. And so this morning, we're concentrating on this praying, and, and as it were, we are enrolling in Jesus' school of prayer. In those days, it would have been common for, their, for rabbis, uh, Jewish leaders, to teach their followers how to pray, and they would give them an outline and structures um, in, in a way to shape their prayers. And it's something apparently John the Baptist had done. You see that from verse 1. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray as John, that's John the Baptist, taught his disciples. And here we have what is known as the Lord's Prayer, or Luke's recorded version of the Lord's Prayer. Um, we're probably more familiar with Matthew's version, or the version that Matthew recorded. And that's the one that we, as a church, um, pray, and indeed will pray later on in our service today. 
So you'll notice some differences, but don't let that put you off. Because, of course, Jesus would have spoken about prayer more than once. He would have taught him more than once. And he would have said the same, same thing, just in slightly different ways. And in Jesus' school of prayer, he's, he's going to teach the disciples and teach us three things. They're on your sheet there. And the first one, and you can't really get more basic than this, pray. Pray. Christians are a praying people. If you think about that, actually, the act of becoming a Christian is, starts with a prayer. It's as we cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry that I've uh, lived my life in rebellion against you. I've ignored you. I've turned my back on you. But I trust Jesus. I trust that he's died for me. Please forgive me my sins and help me to follow you. That whether you said that audibly or whether that was a cry of your heart, the Christian life begins with prayer. And God's people are those who speak to God. And yet, there is probably no topic that can make us feel more guilty than speaking about prayer. Because as Christians, we so often struggle. And I'm yet, I think, to meet a Christian who wouldn't have said, you know, they'd like their prayer life to be richer and deeper. But I do want to encourage us this morning, particularly perhaps if you're feeling a bit maybe guilty or a bit in your prayer life at the moment, to encourage you that prayer is something to be learned. The disciple says, Lord, teach us to pray. Praying isn't, some, some, praying isn't an innate natural ability. It is not something that comes naturally to us. For the vast majority of us, prayer is something that is learned and developed over time. We learn to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. And what an opportunity we have to learn from the Master, to learn from Jesus. There are some really helpful books on prayer. There's, there's one over there. I just remind you of the bookstore. There are some really helpful books on prayer. But there is no better place that we can turn to than Jesus and his instructions. When I learn something, I don't know about you, but when I learn something, I want to learn from someone I know knows what they're talking about. This is the thing, part of the thing I struggle in this social media age is there are so many experts and most of them aren't experts at all. Like, who do I listen to? But no, as we come to Jesus, there is no one better we could be learning from. And because did you notice the request to teach us to pray comes in response to seeing Jesus pray? Verse 1. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Jesus prayed. And not, not a one-off. Uh, Eleven times in Luke's Gospel we're explicitly told that Jesus kind of set, went aside to a certain place and prayed. And often they're mentioned at very key times. So right there at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, at his baptism, Jesus was praying. As his popularity grew and as he and had faced the danger of being sidetracked from his mission, he, he prayed. When it came to choosing the 12 apostles, those who he's going to spend those, those years with, training up, and those who are going to speak for him when he'd gone, when he was choosing those 12, he prayed. Before the transfiguration, he prayed. Jumping on, before he goes to lay down his life on the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane, he prayed. Jesus prayed. If you're familiar with the Gospels, you'll know that each of them has slightly different slants, different angles. I mean, different authors picking up different things. 
And Luke, the doctor, one of the key things he emphasizes through the gospel is Jesus' humanity. Yes, absolutely, Jesus is God. But through the miracle of the incarnation, Jesus became a man, a real man. And Luke stresses this in all manner of ways. But again, to highlight the fact that Jesus prayed. And if Jesus himself uh, saw the importance of prayer and enjoying his relationship with his Father and of calling on God to help him, if he prayed, then how much more should we? We pray. Christians are a praying people. We follow Jesus in that. But what do we pray for? Here's our second point. We are to pray for God's priorities. First and foremost, we are to pray God's priorities. Yes, there are a number of times in the Bible that speak of of bringing our anxieties and our cares, the things that are on our hearts to him. We should be praying for all of those things, of course. But here in the prayer that Jesus taught, it is to pray God's priorities. So he says in verse 2, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. First thing to say is, well, did Jesus mean this as a set prayer? This is what you should pray. Or was this a kind of a structure as uh, kind of the topics, the area, the kind of things you should pray for? I think the answer is both. Okay, Jesus does say, doesn't he, when you pray, say, Father, and, and these things. So I think it is good and it is right that Christians by ourselves and together we pray this prayer. We will do so, as I said, although Matthew's version, later on in our service. But at the same time, it, I think we are to view this as more than simply these set words that we can pray. These are the kind of things we should be praying. These are the categories, the ideas. We could, these are, as it were, headings that we can then build and flesh out. And so let's look at them very briefly. What, what are the things we should pray? Well, first off, we pray, Father. And I think we are so familiar with this that we forget this was a radical way to pray. This was a radical departure from the norm for Jewish people. That closeness of relationship wasn't understood or experienced. God is the the creator God. He is the sustainer God. He is holy. He is majestic. And he is indeed all those things. And Jesus says, we can pray to that God, Father. That word of intimate relationship. And and that, that that title, as it were, that only Jesus, strictly speaking, only Jesus could pray. Only he could, has that, that natural right to call God Father, and yet it is truly astonishing that he invites Christians to pray in the same way that he prays. We pray, Father. Now, as ever, in groups of this size, there'll be those of us who, who perhaps haven't had good experiences with our earthly fathers, but our Heavenly Father is perfect. We'll see a bit more of that explained through this passage. But if you've had bad experiences with your earthly father, 
Well, well, God is like nothing. It is, God is nothing like those bad characteristics. Indeed, for those of us who had good experiences, well, God is everything that um, they, they are and more. When we pray, we pray, Father. And do you see the confidence that gives us as we begin our prayers? It reminds us of who we are praying to. And so we pray, we pray, Father, Father, we praise you that we can call you Father at all, that through what Jesus has done, we've been adopted into your family to enjoy this relationship with you. Thank you that you love me and you know what I need before I even ask. We pray, Father. And then Jesus calls us to pray for five things. Um, the first two, really dedicated to God and his purposes. You'll see the your, your. Um, and then the, the, the last three are our own needs. Us, our, us. And the first thing is pray, hallowed be your name. Hallowed isn't a word that we really use. The only time I can ever think that I use the word hallowed is the hallowed turf, i.e. Wembley or Lords, the hallowed turf. Um, the word hallowed means to keep special. And God's name isn't simply the, the title God. It, God's name is who he is. It's his fame. It's his character. And so when we pray, hallowed be your name, we are praying that God would be honored. God would be revered. We're praying that people would see how special he is and honor him as such. So we pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Would, would I grow in an ever-increasing appreciation of you and who you are? Father, please, would not I just see this, but my family and then my colleagues and then all those who I come across, please, would we see how great you are? We pray, hallowed be your name. And we pray your kingdom come. In one sense, his kingdom has already come. Back in chapter 10, we saw, <coughs> excuse me, we saw the 72 go out and they were to say to everyone, the kingdom of God has come near. So with the coming of Jesus, God's kingdom has come. And yet we are to pray, your kingdom come. To do so is to pray that Jesus' kingly rule would increase. And so, in one sense, it is a missionary prayer. We are praying that Jesus would be king of other people's lives, who, who he is not yet. It is a, a prayer of growth for ourselves and Christians, that Jesus' rule would be more and more complete in my life and in your life. It is also a prayer that Jesus would return, because that is when his kingdom will fully and finally be realized. So we pray your kingdom come. Lord, would you, Lord Jesus, rule in my heart. Those sins that I'm harboring and I'm treasuring, please would you help me to let go of. Forgive me of that and we'll get on to that. Forgive me of that and help me to live more and more for you. And I pray for my brother, my sister, my mom, my dad, my friends. Please, Father, would they know Jesus as King and Savior too? And Lord Jesus, please come. We're to be praying God's priorities. But even when it comes to praying things for ourselves, they are still his priorities in our lives. 
So when it moves to the things for ourselves, it moves to a present tense. These are things that we need um, each and every day. And first off, we're to pray for our daily bread. That reminds us of God's people in the Exodus, or after the Exodus, when they were wandering through the desert, and God provided for them daily by giving them bread from heaven, manna. And of course, in those days, i.e. Jesus' days, there was, there was no supermarket. There was no fridge, let alone a chest freezer. No, no, their, their food, their, their lifestyle was day-to-day um, survival. And that is the same for us. Even though our stock cupboards are full, it doesn't mean that we're less dependent on God. It just usually means that we're not so aware of it. And it's often actually only when we hit those crisis points in our lives, like when we lose a job, or when the cost of living crisis spirals, we have a health crisis, bouts of depression, or whatever it may be, it's those crisis moments when we, when we see how utterly dependent on God we are daily. That shouldn't be the case. We should be aware of it all the time. And so Jesus says, look, pray. Give us today our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. And so we pray. We pray, Lord, thank you so much for the things that you give us. Thank you that even though this food has come through a Tesco delivery van, ultimately this food comes from you. Thank you for your provisions. Thank you for everything you provide. Please continue to do so. We pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us each day our daily bread. See, I know the Matthew one too much. Next, we pray, forgive us our sins. This is so incredibly wonderful, isn't it? The one who is teaching us to pray this had no need to pray that for himself. And yet, he is the one who took those debts, those sins upon himself and paid for them fully and finally on the cross. And yet, like all human relationships, as David helped us to think in the the confession that we said earlier, It is right that we confess our sins. We say sorry to restore that relationship. And actually confessing our sins is an expression of trust that Jesus has indeed paid for them. And we can see that those who are forgiven, will they forgive others? So we pray, Father, forgive me my sins. Forgive me that I've done that thing again and I've thought that way and I've failed to do those many things that I should do. Please forgive me those things and help me to follow you more closely. And Father, that person who I'm really struggling with, please help me to forgive them how they wronged me. We pray, forgive us our sins. And then last of all, we pray, lead us not into temptation. It's a prayer of protection. Protection that the Lord would keep us from the temptation, even from the temptations that would lead us to the sin. So we pray, Lord, please keep me, protect me. Please would I not flirt and engage with sin at all, but would I flee from it? Please keep and protect me. We pray, lead us not into temptation. So these things, again, though they are our needs, they are still God's, Jesus' priorities. These are the things that Jesus says we should be praying for. That there are needs, not our wants. They're for forgiveness, not retribution. They're for protection, not personal progress. These are the things that we should be praying for, his priorities. 
And look, if you're new to praying, again, why not structure your prayers this way this week? Pray the line and then kind of flesh it out a little bit more. It's a great way that you can begin to pray. Things have got a little bit stale for you. Again, why not, particularly this week, start your prayers this way. Father, and then go go off from there. Um, Line by line, hallowed be your name, praying those things in for you. It is all, in some sense, so simple, isn't it? Just pray. And we're praying God's priorities particularly. But, again, if we're honest, so often we don't do it. And we struggle. And that is partly why I think Jesus then spends good time explaining how it is we pray, not just what it is we pray. And so our third thing that we're going to learn here is pray unashamedly and confidently. So Jesus tells a little story to help us understand, although I must say it took me a few readings to actually work out what he was going on about. Maybe you got it first time, you're fine. But let me go through it um, if you didn't. So verse 5, And he said to them, Which of you who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friends, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. him. So that stage, in our culture, we are thinking, yes, which of you would do that? Who would knock on their friend's house at midnight? Okay, I, in the last three weeks, twice, I've gone to our neighbors for ingredients because we're having people around to our house, and I didn't have to, Amy and I didn't have the ingredients. I have not done that at midnight, and no way would I. We're thinking, yes, who would go and do that? But that's not the question that Jesus was asking. Jesus was asking, look, if you had a friend and you did that, who wouldn't, who wouldn't respond in this way? Okay, so let's, let's read on to the response. Verse 7. And he, that's the friend, will answer from within, <coughs> excuse me, from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, and my children are, in, are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. So he's saying, look, which of you, and you had a friend and you did that, which of you would say that? That's the question. Do you remember last week? We saw the importance of hospitality in that culture. That's what drove Martha's um, focus on making sure that everything was ready for Jesus and his disciples. To, to fail to be hospitable was one of the gravest things you could have done. And so if your friend turned up at midnight, you've been expected to provide food. And so if your friend turned up at midnight and you had no bread, it would have been entirely normal and entirely reasonable for you to go to your neighbor and bang on the door and say, please, I need some bread. The question is, look, which of you would refuse that? And they're saying that no one would refuse that. And so the friend actually does go on, verse 8. I tell you, though he will not get up and give, you any, give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. I'd again expect it to be the other way around. Like, well, because it's his friend, he'll go and do it. But it's not. It's because of his impudence. That word is quite a hard word to translate um, from the original. Um, quite, the, the word in English, we don't use it very much. It means impertinent or shameless, like shameless presumption. 
or as I've titled it, unashamedly. And it's that person who brings something up, that request up, who no one else would dare to do. This is encouraged, Jesus is encouraging us to, as it were, shamelessly present our requests to God. To unashamedly go before him and say, Lord, these are the things I need. Help. And in one sense, though, also, it's not impudent if we've been invited to do it. And it's not impudent, actually, if the person inviting us is our Father, which is what we've seen to be the case here. He's saying that when you pray, pray as though that person couldn't refuse, like your neighbor. Pray as though God, God couldn't refuse. And God loves to be asked like that. He loves to answer. He's not like the person who's tucked up in bed going, okay, if I must. The contrast is here. God loves as our Father to give good things. And that's what Jesus goes on to stress in verse 9. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and to the one who knocks it will be open to you. You know, there are different types of knocks, aren't there? There's the... Is that slightly tentative? Hello? And then you've got the bang, 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 and the door opens, which isn't so much as a question, can I come in? But it's a, I'm coming in. And that's, again, the kind of confidence that, that Jesus is calling us to pray here. Ask, seek, knock. Not tentatively, God, please. No, boldly coming before him. God doesn't need to be cajoled. He's not in bed taking a rest. He's never annoyed or impatient when we knock on the door of heaven in prayer. We are to pray unashamedly and confidently. Yes, we are to pray humbly and submissively to his will, but we are to pray confidently. And then, oh, yeah, just, I, I, I'm not having to go at absolutely anyone. But I've noticed one of the things that has probably in the last like, 10 years of coming to Christians has been when we pray, sometimes we pray things like, Lord, please would you just da 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 da. Or Lord, just da 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 da. Now, I know we don't mean anything by this, so if this is you, I'm not having to go at you. But I wonder whether that does sometimes betray that attitude of, Lord, could we just have whatever it is I'm going to ask? Actually, Jesus invites us to pray boldly and expectantly, confidently, presenting our request to him. Jesus then tells another kind of little story, picture, verse 11. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Again, like which of you? Which of you humans, although flawed and evil in so many ways, which of you, if your son asks you for a fish, you're going to like lift up the platter and go, hey, it's a snake. Or if they ask for an egg, you go, woohoo, it's a scorpion. No one's going to do that. And if we are not going to do that, how much more, how much more can we be sure that God will give what it is 
that we truly need. I find the ending very interesting. Did you notice? How much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I find that odd because we've not been praying for the Holy Spirit yet, have we? And yet in some sense, the Holy Spirit is the answer to all these prayers. The Holy Spirit is the climax of, of this passage because what possible greater gift could there be that God could give us than himself? The Holy Spirit who comes into every single Christian believer at that moment of conversion. And we're praying for when, when we're praying for him not just to come into our lives because he's already there, but to, for his control to be greater, to experience more of him. When we're praying that, well, as the Holy Spirit takes hold of our heart and our mind, that is when he, God is going to be hallowed. That is when his kingdom is going to increasingly come in our lives and he's going to meet our daily needs. We pray and he loves to answer and give us what we really need. So the Lord Jesus, in the school of prayer, teaches us pray. Pray. Jesus prayed. How much more should we? And it is a great privilege that we get to pray Father. We pray his priorities. First and foremost, praying things that he encourages us to ask, his priorities, both for ourselves and our worlds. And we pray unashamedly and confidently and taken again with last week, what a, what a helpful summary of those foundations of our relationship with God. The necessity of listening to Jesus that we do through the Bible and responding in prayer. That great privilege. So should we pray now and enjoy this privilege together? Father, we want to thank and praise you that we can call you Father. Thank you for the adoption that has come through the Lord Jesus Christ that has brought us into your family and given us the same rights as Jesus. We praise you and pray that your name would be hallowed, that we would hallow your name, that we would increasingly know how majestic and wonderful you are. Would you be set apart that way in our, in our hearts and our lives? and in our world around us. Father, we pray your kingdom come. Those who, even probably this morning, have come to mind, those loved ones who we'd love to know you, please would the Lord Jesus come to rule and reign in their hearts as he does ours. Father, thank you for the abundant um, provision that you give us each and every day. Help us to remember and recognize they, those things come from you. But we look to you to meet our needs as a church. These things we prayed of today, for the planning permission and for money, we look to you to provide. And for us individually, we come before you with our needs. Father, we pray that you would please forgive us our sins again as we prayed already. Lord, we have so many sins that need forgiven, but thank you that Jesus' sacrifice covered and paid for every single one. And we ask that you would please lead us not into temptation, that you'd keep us closely walking and following with the Lord Jesus each and every day. And in his name we pray. Amen.